I think it will always be a good marketplace for British-made umbrellas because, you know, what we do, we do well. Not only us, but the other makers in the UK as well. You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me every Tuesday and Friday when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice on making in the UK. Let's crack on with the show. Welcome to episode 96 of the Make It British podcast. We're off on another factory tour today as I take you to James Ince and Sons, who are umbrella manufacturers in East London. We're going to be meeting Richard Ince, who is the sixth generation of the family business, and we're going to find out how they make their wonderful umbrellas. So let's go to East London to meet Richard Ince. I just to let you know as well, there is a bit of background noise because it is a factory. There's quite a lot of banging and stitching and whirring of machines, but that gives you a great idea of the hive of activity that there is in some umbrellas. So should we go and meet Richard and find out how they make their umbrellas? So do you want to just first tell me who you are and where I am today? Hi Kate, yeah, I'm Richard Ince and I run James Ince & Sons. We are umbrella manufacturers. Um, the business has been going uh, about 215 years. Um, obviously predates the modern umbrella, so we're going back to when it was whalebone and ivory and Amazing. all that sort of materials, which is obviously mm. not very <laughs> common <laughs> these days. Um, the businesses have been in the, in the family for, I'm now sixth generation. Um, we came, the earliest ancestors came from Suffolk. Um, interestingly, from an area where silk was prevalent in the Colne Valley. Um, so, um, came to the east, east side of London where um, the people were. There was, trouble, there was obviously trouble in the, in, in the countryside in the, in the, from the Napoleonic Wars. So, there was, they came to London looking for work, um, brought skills. Um, probably set up doing repairing, maybe making in small, very small volumes, work maybe jobbing for other makers as well. Um, but through the Victorian period, consolidated, got premises, got shops, took staff, merged their, and there were several inses doing business in business. So they I merged, mm-hmm. they merged into form the company as we know it today, in a, uh, James Inson Sons. Um, I think that was around about 1860. So James Ince is your great-great-grandfather? James Ince is my great-great-grandfather. But obviously there were Ince's making before that, which is why we go back six generations. Mm. So how long has Ince Umbrellas been on this premises here in in East London? Okay, we've been in Viner Street for 24 years. Uh, Prior to that, we were in another building in Bethlehem Green for 10 but prior to that, we were in Bishopsgate and Spitalfields for the previous 180 years. So the business, there was obviously a lot of umbrella makers in the city, like you say. Is that because all the city gents were, they all had an umbrella to, uh, to take to work? Is that why all the umbrella makers were based around London and the city? Yes, part, uh, that's part of it. But there are also a lot of manufacturers in the area as well, and that's really mainly due to the export trade to the colonies, to the trade 
um, the export trade mm. as well. So there are a lot of wholesale manufacturers. So how many umbrella makers are there left in the UK now? Ah, uh, not many. One hand would just about do it. Mm. Um, there are making in the UK. There are there are three people at the top end doing what I would look at as best quality retail, um, and there are two, maybe three, doing more of the corporate branded umbrella. So there's a fantastic picture on the wall here of James Ince and Sons umbrella and sunshade manufacturers established nearly a century. What's the history behind that? Yeah, the picture shows um, one of our uh, previous uh, premises. It shows a shop front, um, but we also had a manufacturing division that just around the corner. So it was based at 64 Bishopsgate without. Um, That's approximately 148 Bishopsgate as it's known today. So it's opposite Liverpool Street Station, um, near the Spitalfields market. So at what point did James Inson Sons stop becoming a retailer and start working more doing contract manufacturing? To be, to be honest, I don't really know, but I would have thought it would have been around about the turn of the century into the 20th century because um, that marked a boom time for the company and as the Victorians and Edwardians discovered leisure, uh, my great-grandfather took advantage of that and developed golf umbrellas Ah. and sun umbrellas, as you know today, Mm. um, fishing umbrellas, um, and they even went into making tents. Um, So that leisure side of things really grew in the Edwardian period. Mm. Um, And I think it was at that sort of point that the the need for a shop front diminished, Mm. but they kept the building and they they did have sort of what you might term a shop premises in the future but they were never really what you'd know as a retail operation so I suppose from the construction of an umbrella then and a Mm. tent is really similar so it kind of makes sense they also went to making tents what happened to the tent business did that just not work out yeah I think um, we didn't make tents after the war Um, Mm. I think the the rationing on fabric and things like that might have had a a part an effect Um, and I think it, yeah, just evo- evolution, really. I think yeah. they just had to consolidate down to what they were doing best. There mm-hmm. were lots of people making tents. Indeed, there was another very big tent maker on, on, on the same street. They were bigger than us. So maybe they felt that they should just concentrate on umbrellas. Yeah. So the umbrella industry <clears throat> was impacted massively, I would imagine, by um, manufacturing overseas when people started making stuff in China. And you mentioned to me earlier that there's 2,000 umbrella factories to compete with making out there yeah which is crazy so um do you think there was ever a point where your father or your grandfather just thought this is just not economically viable anymore um that's a fair question i guess i not that they actually told me um i think they they always had we always had the ability to move sideways Mm -hmm. um so when the imports started coming in um back in the late 50s or in the 60s I suppose um, we, we moved sideways into the corporate market um, the, the pub trade for example with the sun parasols really boomed in the 60s and into the 70s so that was a big area for us um, you know imports are imports there have always been imported umbrellas in the UK I mean I've even if they've come in from France or Italy but yeah 
we I mean in part of our archive I know I noted that we had stock of Chinese parasols in mm. 1928 so we were importing mm. to to just to create a range of umbrellas for people to sell on so um, no imports is it's always been a pressure, mm. certainly for all my lifetime. Mm. But you're still continuing and you're still here, which is brilliant. And do you think you'll stay in the East End of London? Yes. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, definitely in the East End. It's, I mean, it's probably the heritage area for the umbrella industry, even though we're the only ones left. Um, the, the history of the rag trade, its proximity to the city, even if it's partly retail, partly wholesale. It's, it's, it's the, if there is a home for umbrella making, it would be East London. So how easy is it to find skilled staff now? Uh, staff, um, finding staff is is, is fairly uh, hard going. Um, obviously to find people with exactly the right skills, yeah, it's like hen's teeth. Um, but we, the staff that we have recruited over the last four or five years have all come from sort of allied industries. So we have people from the textiles industry um, we have people from manufacturing, so working with machines is is part of the equation. Working with fabric, they, some of them are used to it, some of them not. But to find straight, direct umbrella making skills is is very rare. Uh, so it is tricky. Brilliant. So we go and do a tour around the factory. Okay, let's go. So we have a production unit spread over two floors. Um, we do our cutting and our finishing downstairs, and all of our attaching and machine, uh, sewing machine processes are done upstairs. So we'll need to do a bit of walking around. So will we start with the frames first or the, the sewing? Well, I was going to say let's go downstairs and do the cutting first because that's the very first thing that needs doing. So Of course. Okay, let's go. We are uh, horizontal manufacturers, so we rely on other manufacturers for our components, which is quite unusual. We're a little bit similar to the car industry. They don't make headlights or wiper motors and all that sort of thing, but they put the car together and things like that. So think along those sort of lines, you might understand how we operate. What sort of materials do you use for, for the umbrellas? Uh, we generally use polyester with um, a quality um, waterproofing on it, just to obviously keep out the rain, <laughs> um, which we source from the best weavers around around the world, to be honest. Um, generally Japan, but some of it comes from Italy. So, yeah. And have umbrella, I mean, the, the, the business has it always used polyester. Before they invented polyester, what was used on the, um, the fabric part of the umbrella? Well, prior to polyester, it, nylon was the favourite. Um, but I think the move away from nylon to polyester has always been good. It's more stable. Um, prior to that, there was rayon after the war and prior to the war. Uh, before that, it was cotton mm. and silk cotton mixes. Um, there were some wonderful fabrics we'd come in from Europe, some beautiful, beautiful silk mixes, um, which made beautiful umbrellas for both ladies and gents. So uh, prior to that, even going back even further, cotton, oiled cloth it, 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 and silk silk for some of the de delicate parasols was also around but that was really top end so there's been a bit of a backlash against polyester recently as being not the most sustainable of materials mm. um, do you think that will affect the umbrella business and what do you think people might use instead yeah very good question obviously um, we're, we're, we're seeing a move towards polycotton though the range of fabrics that we can source is small, colours is smaller. Um, 
we've also seen moves towards recycled the PET style polyesters, but um, it does come at cost. Um, and I'm afraid umbrellas are often impulse purchase and, and people might balk at the, the additional cost. So it's going to be a, an interesting couple of years to see how that evolves. Okay, so we're in the uh, the cutting area now. Yep. So describe what's happening in here. Okay, um, umbrellas are are cut and folded. The fabric. Let me start again. The, the fabric is cut and folded in in quite a peculiar way, and essentially so that our machinists are presented with the fabric the right way up to go through the sewing machine. So we fold and cut using templates, um, which is very old school essentially. Um, and I don't think we've changed, this, this process hasn't really changed for well over a century. And is everything hand cut? Everything is, with the aid of an electric knife, it's, yeah. it's all done by hand. There are no, we don't use um, clicker presses, we don't use laying up tables, we don't even use vertical cutters, we use small cutters. So you're doing it all the proper old school traditional way? Re relatively old school, yes. We're running a range of 19 polyesters at the moment, um, looking to increase that maybe in the new year to see what flavours of the, the trade go. What percentage of the umbrellas that you make are black? Oh, the old question. Um, <laughs> I would have thought somewhere in the region of around about 45%, maybe 50 Okay, I thought it might be more, actually. So, mm. so umbrella colours, fashions come and go like any product. What's the, what's the colour for 2020? Uh, colour for 2020, yeah, it was a slow start because we brought in a, a sort of a pumpkin orange last year and it's slow, it was very slow initially, but out of stock now after a little sudden run on it after after the summer. So, yeah, pleased, pleased, but should have ordered more. <laughs> and you've also got a rather fabulous umbrella with a Union Jack mm -hmm. inside, haven't you? Yes. So is that one of your best sellers? We've only launched it, it's only been available for the last two or three weeks. Oh, so. Oh. Uh, and it's really only um, as a retail offering. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it got a lot of interest, I have to say. Um, maybe it's a bit Marmite with it. Current. <laughs> I love it, obviously. Fair enough. No, thank you. So, <laughs> no, it, it's a, it was a nice project. Um, yeah, it was a nice project, yeah. Well, so what's happening in here then, okay, Richard? This, this is our workshop. Oh. Sorry, this is our workshop. Uh, this is where we um, assemble our wooden shafted frames. Um, we repair umbrellas, um, we tinker with the handles, all those sorts of woodworking frame things go on here. So, okay, I'm just looking around at all the different bits, bits and pieces here. So this is yeah. where you assemble, you add that, you, so I tell you what, you describe to me, so you've cut the fabric, what, how, what's the next process in assembling an umbrella? Okay, from cut, the, our cut panels will be taken upstairs to right. our sewing machinists, mm -hmm. who are all in the clean room, mm -hmm. um, and they will assemble the canopies from there. And then they cut the, the, they come down here, or the part, the frames are put together here. What's what's happening in this room? Okay. How does the how do the two bits come together? That's what well, I'm trying to work out. Essentially, this is a, this is the dirty area that the frames are made here. We, we, we're working with wood. Um, so there's a little dust. So the keeping the areas separate is good. Um, the frames are assembled and then taken upstairs for when the canopies are finished. They will get assembled. Brilliant. 
Fantastic. It's quite, quite a hive of activity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in those boxes there, that's all the metal. What do you what do you call the, the tips at the top? Is that what they're called? In, the, uh, in these archaic, old, lovely old yeah. boxes, um, uh, we store handles. So the, the, the curved handles, curved mm. handles, uh, come in from our Italian supply. And we store them in these boxes. Um, other components are stored in, in, the, sep- in the second shelving unit. So, so they're the metal ones. bits that go these on the, the end? These are the metal bits. These are the ferrules and the open caps, uh, which trim and finish the umbrellas. That was the word I was looking for, ferrule. That's the ferrule, yes. This is an old word, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so. so how did you learn about umbrella manufacturing? And when, when you started off, were you actually here on the factory floor putting the umbrellas together? I, I, I started the manufacturing side of it, really, when I left school in 2017. But prior to that, I would be up to the factory with my father in the school holidays, mm. taking deliveries into the West End, um, mucking about in the basement, you know, all those sorts of kid <laughs> things. Um, yeah, so watching, we had, a, we had a good staff of around about 20 back in, mm. in, the, in the 70s, 80s. Um, so watching people. Mm. I was a bit of a sponge, I guess. Because yeah. I don't think there's anything I can't do. How many umbrellas do you make here a week? Um, pr- production, volume production is, it, it's a difficult one to gauge because uh, some umbrellas are a lot quicker than others. Mm. But I would have, two or three hundred mm. on a good week. But then if there, you know, if there are more processes that it, it can drop. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to, to guess. So it depends on the type of umbrella you've got, how long it takes. Totally. Yeah. Um, Do you get any bizarre requests for handles? And and if that's the case, do you get them for your suppliers or do you ever make the handles here? We don't make handles. Um, It is an art that's left to the the people who know best. Um, I mean, obviously, it's an old process. I mean, it predates umbrellas, the the bending of wood. Yeah. Bizarre requests, yeah, occasionally. We do get some weird ones, um, but generally people generally stick to the, to the script, slightly <laughs> go off piece, maybe the leather will have a contrast stitch, maybe the the height of the stick will be taller, shorter because of the nature of the yeah. end user. So, yeah, yeah, we're open to, open to ideas, open to... Do you think, because I used to buy umbrellas, as I told you, oh, back yeah. when I worked for Marks and Spencers, and it was all about how small could it possibly be, how ultra, ultra small and therefore mm. destructible. Um, do you think that people are turning back more to the traditional Walker-style umbrella these days? Uh, hi. I'm not sure if they're turning away from the collapsible. Um, I think what people want is more of a statement piece. Mm. Some some of my customers call it um, an heirloom. I've got a, mm. a US customer who, who literally brands it as an heirloom, something to hand on because it's he think you know it, it's that expensive, it's that well made. Um, I just think there's just people are just looking for perhaps something more of a statement, mm. more of a, a, a nice something nice for themselves. Collapsible umbrellas are pretty. Um, useless <laughs> not, not so much the useless thing but they I just do I always need to break them they do a job yeah they just do a job in your handbag they get stuck in your handbag in your in your record bag whatever it is in your bag they um, get left on the bus indeed <laughs> um, but then if it was an impulse purchase I don't know I like to think that if, if the more people would spend on an umbrella the more attached to it they would be yeah mm. so 
I don't know. It's like every, everything's relative to the person who bought who buys it. Yeah, but I think that's good though. And if, because your umbrellas are more expensive, they're an investment purchase. That's it. it it encourages people to buy one and look after it, not leave it on the bus. Um, and therefore, you know, okay, maybe the, the canopy is made of polyester, but it lasts much longer than buying 10 made-in-China umbrellas, which fall apart after a few weeks. Yes, it should do. Um, I mean, I have to say, even if, it, it, if something does happen, we offer a, a warranty against do it. You? So we can repair. Brilliant. Which... Obviously, our dear Far Eastern friends cannot do. No. So it's down to the retailer to re- replace at their expense, of course. Um, but yeah, the idea of an investment it, 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 to take pride in, yeah. Mm. One of the, I mean, obviously, they are more expensive being UK made, but we bring a better level of attention to detail. The stitching is stronger. The canopies mm. are tauter, and just with those two, just with those two little items. Um, points you'll get a much better umbrella so the next time you do buy a folding umbrella maybe it's foreign maybe it's from the far east but open it in store if it is slightly floppy if it isn't as taut as it could be then it will give out it's just it's the nature of the beast so be warned um I always ask everyone that I go and visit their factory and I ask them, um, mm. do you use your, your own product? Which which of your products do you love the most and do you use? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, love it, love it. Which one do I love the best? Oh, goodness knows, the oldest ones, the old, the, the vintage ones, they just, just got a style and a craft mm. about them that I can appreciate. But you, personally, I use a a two-section fold, also open folding umbrella and I've got a, 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 a nice navy blue beach with walking around. Nice. Brilliant. So should we go and see where the uh, yeah, let's go. stitching is being done? Where are we now, Richard? Okay, we're in our main workroom where all our sewing operations take place. Um, the noise in the background will be our flat machines and our bar tacking machines attaching or sewing canopies together. Every so often. <laughs> Brilliant. This lady is doing stuff by hand here as well. So. Yeah, every umbrella needs trimming. So the tails from the processes will be taking off. So that all has to be done by hand. An iron, an iron, a pair of snips is what's needed. So I hope you can hear all this. No, it's quite a hive of activity out here, isn't it? It's brilliant. Wow. So we're using lock stitch. Um, we don't overlock. Um, so lock stitch with a rolled hem single turn and that creates the best seam for attaching to the frame it's strongest it's the strongest and that is how umbrellas have been made since the sound machine was invented with a lock stick and a roll hem stupid question probably and I should know this as I used to buy umbrellas where it's stitched what stops the water getting through on that seam that's a very good question well obviously the the size of the thread relative to the size of the needle makes the hole but sharp needle makes a tiny hole yeah so it does tend to fill the hole um yeah, because umbrellas don't... Generally yeah, don't well, that was a stupid question, Kate, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. So how many panels are there on each umbrella, or does that vary? I would have said 95% were eight section. Right. Well, actually saying that, that's from the British point of view. If you were in the Far East, you'd be looking at probably a six or eight, seven with smaller folding umbrellas. Uh, Less weight. Yeah. Weaker frame. 
Right. Something has to give. So the more rich yeah. you get in an umbrella, generally the stronger it will be because you've got more than the canopy. Ah, okay. So that's something to look out for when you're buying an umbrella. But they're, they're like hen's teeth. Ten ribs, twelve ribs, or twelve ribs don't exist. No. But Did they used to? Oh, definitely. The uh, particularly in um, the early days of the gold umbrella. So we're going back about a century for the gold umbrella. You, you, twelve ribs, sixteen ribs. Very common. Mm. Very common. Very sturdy gold umbrella. Uh, are they um, garden umbrellas? Yes. So do you do garden umbrellas as well? Well, historically we do. We did. Yeah. Historically we did. Um, but we've sort of gone sideways. We still, we still use the traditional white metal frame, which yeah. is sourced from Italy. But we now supply them for health and safety aspects. Oh, right, okay. So the next time you're stuck at a broken set of traffic lights, yeah. you might see a fluorescent orange umbrella. Ah. <laughs> which we supply to the traffic light engineering company. And similarly, we, we also supply flame retardant umbrellas to cable jointers, so people who are working at holes in the ground, putting your cable, cable whatever it is, deep down those holes. Um, historically, the industry was started with surveyors. Right. So guys stuck out in the desert looking for yeah. oil back in the 50s. Yeah. Um, so we've got all this back in our archive from BP and from Amaco and... Arab, oh, yeah. Arab oil companies all over the they were looking for oil and the surveyors needed shelter so that is the first sort of health and safety application of umbrella these days less so in those directions we we supply the bookmakers at the railway lap tracks with their what they call the mush oh, yeah. the ring umbrella um, it's a one off huge hold umbrella with which is all hand sewn um, so we also supply umbrellas to the railway industry um, so back in their glory days when the railway lines went click to click yeah. they don't anymore because yeah. the tracks are welded together and they needed an umbrella to shelter the welding process uh-huh. of joining the railway lines together because the process is the same isn't it Ma- yeah. no matter what size you make them though I imagine yeah. like getting them under these machines it's quite unwieldy when you're making a six foot umbrella rather than a standard absolutely one. yeah we do need to rearrange them a little bit for some of our umbrellas um make sure that people are getting clouded by them but yeah it, it is a bit you need a versatile workspace yeah so so yeah just to say um, one of the other ones we do make is the even standard defenders on newspaper umbrellas in the town oh do you so red and white ones yes yeah. uh, um, we've made those for about 25 years because they've got Evening Standard printed on them, haven't they? So That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. They're all branded, fully branded. They like a lovely big loud noise down the street. Yeah. So, yeah. Brilliant. So people would have seen in some umbrellas. Did, someone, did you say someone once said that you were the most famous, unfamous umbrella maker? What was the phrase? <laughs> you were you were the most, the most unknown. No, we were mo- the most famous umbrella brand that nobody had ever heard. That's of. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, possibly, possibly. So um, people would have come across your umbrellas in all sorts of different places, but not realised that they were an Ince umbrella. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. So. Uh, oh look, there's the Union Jack. That's correct. Yeah. Oh, it's all echoing here. So we've gone from noisy to echoey. So um, what happens in this room at the back then? Okay, so this quiet room <laughs> at the moment is this is where we, um, we, we attach all our what we call tips, the, the pieces that hold the canopy on the edge of the umbrella. Uh, we also fit our straps with using uh, buttons and rings or press studs. 
um, and then from there the canopies are ready to be sewn to the frame. It's mm. quite a lot of processes involved, isn't there? There yeah. are. I don't, think, I don't think people realise no. all the work that goes in to making an umbrella. No, and the sheer amount of different components. Every different style of umbrella will have a different set of components. Mm. Um, yes, we can buy them to suit the frame, but they all need to be stocked and they all need to be, you know, worked around because every one will be subtly different. So. so if someone was to buy one of your umbrellas, where's the best place to find one? That's... <laughs> okay. um, well, obviously, um, we do have a small retail presence on our website. Um, we don't sell all our range, just a token few. Um, we do have a, f a number of small independent retailers who do take umbrellas with our brand. Uh, we do have a listing of those on our website if, you're, uh, if, you, if you don't want to do anything mail order. Mm. And then the rest of the work that you do is for other brands and people Absolutely. like Evening Standards and That's people right. like that. That's right. The, um, the majority of our work is plain label, white label. Um, mm. And the, and the corporate business, so mm. corporate umbrellas is quite a big. Um, well, it used to be very big for us, but uh, it still does trickle along with you know, orders for hundreds here and fifties there. So, if anyone wants to order umbrellas for their golf club or their association, you're the man to come to. That's right. Yeah, we can certainly put, a, like, put your <laughs> name on our umbrella. Not an issue. You've worked in umbrellas, Richard, since you left school. It's yep. a family business. Yeah. What do you see the future of for British-made umbrellas like Ince umbrellas? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think it will always be a good marketplace for British-made umbrellas because, you know, what we do, we do well. Not only us, but the other makers in the UK as well. Um, with regard to this business, um, I've got, I've, you know, I've, I've got a son who's, who might want to, he's doing a real job for a while. Uh, I've got nieces and nephews who may want to come into it. We'll see, we'll just see. Isn't, there isn't a, what they call a, a succession plan as such mm. in place at the moment, but, you know, let's see what the next 10 years brings. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday and Friday, plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally. So don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live. And if you enjoyed the show, I would really love it if you left me a, just a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye. Bye.